Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. This season we are covering 1973. I'm your host, Greg, and if I sound a little extra jazzed tonight, it's because Ryan's daughter, Parker, for the first time ever, realized (laughs) what a cool dude I am. And we just hung out, and she smiled at me so much. And this is probably one of the greatest moments of my life. Ryan, do you think you can... We're doing the uh, a movie called The Harder They Come, by the way. Ryan, do you think that uh, that 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 is gonna like sustain you and get you extra points in this show? Oh yeah, uh, anytime, Ryan. Greg. Yeah, you're totally right. Make a friend. <laughs> uh, Ryan. I have some advice uh, though. Uh, next time you meet somebody new, Greg, you um, immediately told her that you like sh- wearing shorts, and then you had nothing. Like you revealed everything there is to know about Greg yeah. immediately. Yeah, holds back some of it. Well, she looked at her own pants, and she was like, she pointed them, and she's like, pants. And I was like, yes. And then she pointed to mine, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm a shorts guy. Which is that was a tenuous moment in our new friendship. <laughs> I was very afraid. Mike, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, Mike, you are our second competitor today. This I'm is a here game too, show, by the my way. My kid doesn't love you, so fuck me. <laughs> I love your dog, though. Thank uh, you. She would hate you. Yeah, that's true. That, it takes a while to get to know me, and usually a bribe is involved. But, Mike, do you think it's unfair that Ryan is getting Ryan. bonus points just because his daughter was nice to me? No, you know what? Uh, I get to sleep through the night. Uh, I sleep in sometimes. I get to do whatever I want whenever I want. It, he needs it, is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, another uh, childless person making their entire personality about how they don't have a child. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, that's just the flip side of what you do. Oh, look, I have a kid. I have to make sure she's breathing and eating. <laughs> I uh, love her so much. She completes my life. <laughs> I've never said any of those things. Do you know what completes my life? Going to fucking France whenever I want. Bitch. Boom. And how often, Mike, would you say you go to France whenever you want? Uh, I'm going in a couple months, Greg. Well, there you so go. So every every three years, I'd say. Because come Mike. on. <laughs> I have to make money. Come on. I'm not, I'm not rich. Well, we got to get to this show, gentlemen. We can't just sit around and talk about the fact that I am now Ryan's daughter's favorite person in the world. Greg. There will be more evidence. There's potentially probably more evidence tomorrow when I get her dressed and she says those three magical words which is i want shorts if she <laughs> does that that's that's greg uh, inspired listen do you the think shorts... she'll quote him i'm a shorts girl now <laughs> the shorts agenda is real we are coming for your fucking kids and we're gonna put them in shorts okay they are so comfortable and this is even for formal occasions i'm talking about sure like, yeah it's shorts all your, your nice pressed shorts also we're recording this at the start of november which in 2023 is what we call summer part two yep uh so it's shorts it's shorts weather all uh, year round and it is harvest summer in southern california it is summer all the time we did it everybody we changed the climate <laughs> Woo! just like the postal service uh, predicted in 2003 we love it we feel like we're being rewarded <laughs> Gentlemen, the movie we are doing tonight is 1973's, for our purposes, The Harder They Come. I personally, before this season, had no history with this movie. Did either one of you gentlemen have any sort of history with this movie? I just knew it as the reggae movie. The reggae movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, I knew, um, I had heard of Jimmy Cliff as an artist, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Reggae does not, reggae probably has the fewest amount of household name stars yeah, of any sublime. genre. There's Sublime, and then there's Sublime with Rome. That's a big well, there's, <laughs> oh, don't forget the Long Beach Dub All-Stars. Oh, of course. <laughs> you can't. 
Um, and so Jimmy Cliff was one of them. And so, and I knew that he had broken out. And if you look at um, the world the way that most Americans do through the eyes of America, reggae broke out through the harder they come. Yes. Um, and so I had known it in that way. Um, and But I had never seen it before. I had seen uh, Tukey Buki before yeah. this. And we got to uh, talk about Tukey Buki, everybody. And now I can say with authority that um, now that we're, uh, I think, far past the halfway point of the season, that Tukey Buki could have taken this entire fucking yeah. season down. The, the award I almost submitted to the board uh, was times you were most pissed that Mike voted for The Heart of the Come instead of Tukey Buki. That, that would be a real Ryan award. <laughs> I was pissed. I was complaining to my wife about it. They made me make the decision. I didn't know what to do. The exact situation was I had not seen Tukey Buki, and I had watched The Harder They Come. Ryan, if you had been in that situation where you had seen one of them and you knew that you liked it a lot, wouldn't it be hard to set that aside just because the other person's saying that a movie that they've seen the other one, they haven't seen your movie, like, what was I to do? Is there somebody on the show that has never called themselves a movie expert, but everybody on the show had called them a movie expert? And also, I want to be clear here. Greg did not have the decision. Greg had said, I am going to vote first. I'm voting for The Heart of the Come because I have seen it. Then I said, I've seen Tukey Buki. Let me explain it to you. Uh-huh. And no, then, no, no, no. Mi- then Mike, on his phone, going through like Facebook or MySpace, yeah. Greg said, Mike, exactly. we need to have a vote. And he was like, oh, I don't know the red game one. Without even looking up. Right. Yeah, he didn't yeah. even look up. Uh, maybe interest me more, you fucks. No, if I remember, uh, Greg <laughs> had a very like well <laughs> thought out, coherent uh, argument for why The Heart of the Come, how it affected him. And Ryan's like, Tukey Buki... Jay Z and Beyonce uh, did a poster based on it. Come on, and I'm so be more compelling, bitch. I'm sure that's exactly word for word the only thing I said. Roll to the tape, and by that I mean listeners, go back and listen to. Please eight go eight back and roll that tape. We're not going to do it. I do have to say I had that thing going on when I was watching this movie where I was like sweating bullets <laughs> because if it's like that where you put on a song for somebody and then you just stare oh, yeah. at them. Because, like, hey, don't do that. Just send them the song. This don't, movie, don't be in the room with them. There is a very charming, like, kind of um, film school or, like, or like you can really see the edges in this movie. Like, And I was just like, oh, oh gosh, I hope that they're not just, ooh, I hope the acting isn't getting to them. Oh, man. Oh, they're going to hate me. I had a baseball bat with Tukey Buki written on it, and I would just smack it against my <laughs> hand the entire time I was watching this. No, Tukey Buki is high art. Uh, one of the best films we have. We'll never now, watch for this show. Uh, a, th- a thing we've never done, and maybe we could talk about off-air instead of an on-air meeting, but Daddy likes on-air meetings. Uh, we have three nuclear keys in our hands. We could just, at the end of the season, be like, nope, one of these 60 movies was trash, three keys in, do an extra movie, two kabookies in there. Change the format five years in, bro. This, is, is, this isn't the movie that's trash, though. No, 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 no. I'm yeah. saying we could pick a movie from the 16. Well, uh, we could do that, but wouldn't that kind of... Yeah, I mean... I mean that I I do think that ruins the format. I think that if if here's another thing we could do, Mike, pay attention in the uh, intro shows. What? <laughs> this is not an intro show, so Mike. Mike, my you- my history with this movie is uh, a good friend of mine made a very compelling argument mm. of why it should be part of Mike. the bracket. Uh, and some fire! guy was a dick about it. Uh, no, do you know? Do you know it was delightful? I'd heard the name Jimmy Cliff. I n- I never really connected to that, and I, I never had a reggae phase. One of the few phases I didn't have. No, that's not true. I had a heavy Bob Marley and the Whalers phase. Uh, and and Ryan and I had a pretty big Sublime phase again. Big <laughs> yeah. reggae, big reggae heads over here. So I think but we neither, all get it. But you weren't into Sublime without Rome or Bradley. <laughs> 
when Brad when Bradley died, so did my interest in the band. Unfortunately, That's fair. Of course, uh, I'm a huge Jim Rome fan. Of course, halfway, <laughs> not halfway. Whenever our greatest reggae artist. When the heart of they come starts, and all week when I was like, I'm gonna watch the heart of they come, and I was singing the song, I was like, did I make up the song? Why do I know a song that has this name? And he starts singing, I was like, holy shit, I forgot I, I made song, up this and song. I fucking love my it. Song in the past. <laughs> put it in a movie. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I knew the song, and I fucking it's 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 a great reggae song. I I think that, and we're gonna get into the music of it all later. But um, I think it's important to note now that uh, we all grew up only or mostly in Southern California, and uh, our sublime roots. Of, I should, we should not even talk about sublime again. For no, the rest of the show. honestly, no, uh, it's gonna stop like, being the joke and turn our, into how we. <laughs> our Bob Marley roots, like I, I think that reggae gets a lot of shit because of like three of like Southern California stoners and three Bob Marley songs. Yeah, and this is the, in in part a great and movie. And the Whalers. And the, uh, let's let us not forget the Whalers. Um, the Hartford Whalers was <laughs> his backup group for a long time. Um, but uh, now that we have seen the movie and. Do not need to discuss Tuki Buki anymore. We, uh, there's no reason to attach Tuki Buki to this movie. It, uh, henceforth, um, rollicking good time, just uh, yeah. fantastic time at the theater. I would say, yeah, it, maybe not as fun as it is to see Django in the theater, but still a oh good time. Oh man, I've never had as much fun in a movie as they had watching Django. <laughs> uh, so that's Ryan's general impression. Obviously, I liked it enough to make like what uh, one panelist has called the most persuasive of arguments of all time about its greatness. Mike, what is your general impression? I loved so much about this movie. I would say... Caveat. I hear caveat. (laughs) I I loved, I'd say, two-thirds of this movie. All right. Well, I think that puts you right there with Roger Ebert, and we will cover that and so much more after what one panelist has called the quickest of breaks. Set in Jamaica, The Harder They Come is a drama about an aspiring singer, Ivan, desperate for fame, who, disillusioned by competition, or excuse me, corruption, in every part of daily life, becomes involved in some reefer madness. Unfortunately, that trade is controlled by the same group of dickheads that run everything else on the island, and really the world. It's just always these dickheads that fuck everything up. Anyway, Ivan's life spirals as a result, but his fame grows and grows. The worse he is, the more people want to listen to his songs or throw cans at his enemies. But he breaks pretty bad in the end and goes on something of a killing spree until he's gunned down by the army who dishonorably refuses his offer of single combat. There is this transition point about 45 minutes where the movie goes from this sleepy little drama to uh, something closer to blaxploitation. Did this transition work for you? Or did you find yourself missing the beginning of the movie? I, I love the beginning of the movie so much. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of the movie is so Ryan. fantastic and transportive to uh, a time a different time and place, right? Like you're there. A, a, a time will never be in a place. Uh, will, will probably never be right. Like if if. Most people go to Jamaica, like they don't see this part. No, they of go to Jamaica. sandals. Right. They they take pictures of their girlfriend topless and then accidentally <laughs> email it to everyone that they shouldn't. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> um, they probably get cornrows on the beach, which probably. is like honestly, white people have done some gnarly things, but that is right up there. <laughs> One of the worst. And then the uh, little seashells in them. Come on, woo. white people. I don't. Yeah, and like. Um, this this was a decision, and it was a it was a bold decision, and it's one that I did enjoy. But here's the problem: I think that the Jamaican neo realism genre that he was creating 
in yes. the first 45 minutes could have lasted two hours and several more movies. And the turn that it took lasted sporadically throughout the rest of this movie, uh, or, or it didn't. It lasted, uh, it kind of sputtered out towards the end. It just didn't have enough to get us past the finish line. Yeah, but that, that, right. the first two thirds, it, like we said, it's so rare that you feel like lived in, in a place and it, it feels of a piece with like French New Wave films. Like, I'm just throwing you in here. I'm building it. You can taste this place. You can smell it. And then the li- the adaptation ending is, you've seen this in a bunch of movies. Uh, nothing really is new anymore. Anything that we were building is kind of dead. And... Mike. And still, I lost my train of thought, and that's going to happen. Ro- okay, you know what still, happened? I'm mimicking what the movie did. Shocking, though, for 1973 to be for a low-budget, like, let's all get the gang together and shoot a movie for really the first time in history to yeah. have a bunch of Jamaicans make a Jamaican movie. Um, to have an ending this meta, though, whether it worked or whether it didn't, I, I thought that it was it wasn't just like, oh, let's have that same old ending. It was original. I have to say, this is the number, this is the thing everybody says about this movie. Roger Ebert said it, and you know that, like, spiritually, he is at the very center of our understanding of, of film here on this podcast. I have to say, though, this is the story they set out to tell. It was always going to be about this guy who goes on a crime spree, and it's not that the movie becomes that. The movie is about what happens when everything on an island is already owned. When there's no space for anybody new, anybody on the come up, when the, like, for lack of a better term, gerontocracy has basically grabbed everything and everybody at the top is already in place and they've set up a complete network under them. And it's like, what is Ivan supposed to do? Not saying it's okay to go around shooting everybody, but the movie is exploring. This is America, Greg. Yes, it is. The movie is exploring what happens when there's no opportunities and when when you. Yes, but. I'll, I'll say it, it is certainly about that. Half but Ivan, improv. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm the first half improviser. Right. It, but Ivan also is an unfillable maw, and okay. his mom calls him out. She's like, "If you stay in the city, this is what will happen." Then she tells us the plot of the movie, which is crazy. But <laughs> Ivan, he is he's doing the best he's ever done. Does not trust Jose, and he's like, "I want more." And Jose's like, "Bro, you're doing pretty well. Remember how you used to." ride around on a trash bike and now you have a car like just wait a little he i like i know paying your dues is such an annoying phrase and stuff but like i do think he could have waited and worked his way up but anytime he gets into a new situation he's like why don't i get mine right now i will kill somebody until i do okay let's get to let's get to ivan in a second but just to to greg's point first about the situation that all of them and especially a country mouse right like all these city Mm -hmm. mice are they they were born there and, they're and al- the spirit of this movie is about country versus city. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it very specifically starts with right. him moving from the country, going to eat him a lot of his mangoes. His last mango. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to say this for my mom. And then he shows up at his mom's place, and she's like, did you bring me a mango? And he's like, ooh, no mangoes this time. Come <laughs> on, Ivan. His you very eat that mango. His very first interaction is with a uh, city mouse who's like, hey, help me um, push this cart. I'll yeah. give you a ride. It's not even like I'll give you a ride. 
Uh, I'll put your suitcases on my cart. You help me push. You help me do my job. And I'll show you and where I'll give the you directions. is that you're looking for. And then yeah. also, hey, look at that guy. That guy owes me money. <laughs> Go hustle him down for money. And then I'm going to steal all your fucking shit immediately. My first seconds <laughs> in the city. Right. And I'm going to show you exactly right. how it works. It, it this is what like it's a little... This. This is what all conservatives think every city really is. Right, because they're they that's what they would do, because they're awful. <laughs> it it does feel like the city mice are just waiting for a country's mouse to show up so they're no longer the bottom rung. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is for anybody who's from the country coming to the city, say you're from the city. Yeah. Oh, I'm from a different city? It's it's very interesting. The very first thing that happens in this movie is a bus and a truck try to both cross a bridge at the same time, and there's not enough room for both of them, and so they get stuck. And someone in the back of the bus yells out, bus driver, do not get out of the way. Like, we're not going <laughs> to give an inch here. Right. And I think that does an interesting, like, that really kind of sets up the feel of the movie, which is right. that there's this intractable situation, and neither side wants to give, and there's just not enough room for everybody. And... That is being created by this like enforced scarcity. I think there's this other thing going on too that um I didn't it didn't really click with me until the second time what? I watched it. <laughs> Good job, dude. <laughs> I did it. Um the second time I watched the movie where because um, I really only think about one book while watching movies is um this The guy, Bible, same here, buddy. This guy got on the bus and he's driving into the city past the big cars with all the girls past all the ads about gasoline and we are in, in a sense watching jamaican gatsby right where it's the he, great brain damn it he, <laughs> it's a different great book um where like we have to get through all of the muck to get into what he thinks is going to be all of the stuff that makes him great where he's going to create this new life you know and so i've been i think thinks of himself as this Jay. It's just that all of these speed bumps come in his way because right. of, of the stuff that Greg was talking about. Like the no, we're we've crowd we filled every hole yeah. that you could possibly bring yourself up on. There's a brutal moment where he he's like trying to get jobs still. Yeah. I don't think he's landed with the preacher's house yet. He's trying to get jobs and he just walks into a rich people's backyard and the woman's like, what are you doing? He's like, I just want a job. I can do this. No, I have somebody who does that. I can do this. No, I have somebody who does that. And then he's like, I don't, just give me 10 cents then. I don't know. And she's but like, what's I wrong really... with all you young, healthy boys? You just beg, beg, beg. And then we get a brutal montage of like, well, here's why, lady. Well, no, we, just we, like, at this point, we have watched him try to get a job, right? We, we have watched right. him be like chased off. But it just, it zooms out and it shows you that it is island wide. Yeah. Or at least citywide in Kingston. Yeah. Uh, it is, it, there's a few... This is one of the best use of montages uh, throughout this movie. Uh, and this one is so brutal showing you how rough it is. It's everybody is trying, rich folks. Yeah, they're There's trying to work. nothing. He doesn't want a handout at first. He wants just a job. He wants, yeah. like, he's, he, and he's willing to do anything. Like, I'll shake down this guy for money if that's what you want. I'll pick up in the yard. And he kind of, when he goes and talks to that rich lady, he kind of, it's hanging out there that he's like, no, oh. I will do anything. Yeah. I'm yeah, a young I guy. I about to be on Red Porn. He's <laughs> He's clearly relying on step cousin. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's clearly relying on his Ivanness already, right? Yeah. His star power. He thinks that he has that. Whether he's a great musician, we don't really know. But we do know that since he's the star of the movie and believable as a star, like we buy that he's the star of the movie that we're watching. That he's relying on that to get him through. That this lady's going to be like, "Oh my God, is that Ivan? Right. Come in." <laughs> I'm going to make you some sweet tea. We said tea. no to making accents on the <laughs> oh, show. Oh, I'm sorry. Ryan. Was that no too patois. good? Do you guys remember that viral clip of that? I think it was a British reality show where they're like, do a Jamaican accent. She was like, 
Right. She um, tried to do all of it at the same time. But like he's surprised when she's not like, you know, come on in. And then right. the 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 cherry on the top of that scene is that she just walks over and yells at somebody off screen yeah. who didn't close the gate. Yeah. Yelling at some right. other person who's lucky enough, luckier than Ivan to have a job to get screamed at by this rich lady. But yeah, he there's there's nothing that the Ivan um personality, the 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 star flair can get. He goes, he gets in a line where we're gonna spend so much time talking about the first forty-five minutes of this movie. And <laughs> yeah, not he gets oh, the in. Good li- part. <laughs> he gets in line um, uh, for a construction job, and the guy's like, "What skills do you have?" He's like, "I'm fucking Ivan, baby. Like, I'm Ivan. You know, like what? I don't have any skills, but I like, sing really well. Give me a shot. I will do it. Just give me a shot." And they're like, "We want skilled work. What do you mean you're Ivan?" What I love uh, about Ivan, and it hurts so much, and you can't change it and ruin the movie, is uh buddy, you've heard five people ahead of you say, well, I can do this skill. And they get fall in or they go, I don't know. And they get sent away. Maybe stop being like, I'm Ivan. Be like, yeah, I can hammer wood too. Yeah. No. What did the guy who got let in say? Say you can do that. But if, if they go, can you pour concrete? And you say yes. You're and then dead. they're like, go pour that concrete. And you're like, oh God, here we go. Well, I'd be like, well, we do it different in the country. I'm just going to watch you for a second. And then, okay, you do the same thing. Cool, 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 cool. When we come back, it's time to get trivial. Trivia. It is time for trivia. Ryan. Ryan. Yes, it is, Greg. Yes, it is. Mike. Very good. I will read the question. Wait until I have said all the parts of the question, including the part where my, where my voice goes like this. Uh, and then uh, the answer is whatever I say it is. So if you think you know the answer, because maybe you think it's obvious, I might have a little trick <gasps> up my sleeve. Question the first. What is this movie said to have, quote, brought to the world? Mike. Ryan. Mike. Reggae. Reggae. Very good. Brat. Mike. What was that, Mike? <clears throat> I would like two brats, please. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm actually recording while I'm walking Mike. and I'm ordering dinner. <laughs> This movie features famous reggae singer Jimmy Cliff. What was his previous acting experience before this? Mike. Ryan. Ryan. Nothing? Mike. Not nothing, Mike. Like student films. Yep, student films. He had been in some productions at school. Ryan. Mike. Ryan. Uh, the Jamaican Pinoc- version of Pinocchio where he played Jiminy Cliffgit. Yeah, dude. If, <laughs> if, if, if these were school productions, you know there's some stupid ones like that. I played the Tooth Fairy. I was a haberdasher uh, in Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> Speaking of Jimmy Cliff, please explain the origin of reggae doing an impression of Cliff Clavin from Cheers. I'm what? sorry. What? <laughs> Can you repeat the question? Speaking of Jimmy Cliff, please explain the origin of reggae doing an impression of Cliff Clavin from Cheers. Ryan. Ryan. Hey, I, you know, the uh, <laughs> origin of reggae, to say it... Uh, it uh, came from uh, when the um, early medieval times, when there was a guy named Ray and a guy named Gay, and they uh, ran into Shut each other. Ryan. You Mike. get the point. That did sound just like Cliff Clavin, and the way it uh, didn't really have like a correctness to the answer, very much like Cliff Clavin. How old was Jimmy Cliff when he recorded his first hit single? Mike. Ryan. Mike. 26. Not, t- not 26. That sounded like a guess, Mike. What? No. Ryan. 
The single was called, okay, sorry, I'm going to give Ryan a little bit extra. The single was called Hurricane Hattie, if that helps you. The single was called I'm 13 and I love it. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan. 13. Not 13. He was much older than that. He was actually 14 years old. What? How was this movie received in Jamaica? Mike. Mike. They fucking loved it. Yeah, it was basically Mike. It was basically like the Rialto uh, thing. They were just like, this is us. Like, this is the way we talk. This is what we care about. Um, I, I mean, the first Jamaican FUBU movie of all time. Literally yeah. of all time. Yeah. That's going to go over well. The film was possibly the first English language movie in the history of the United States to require what? Mike. Ryan. Ryan. Subtitles. Subtitles. Ryan. The main character is named Ivanhoe. What is the novel Ivanhoe about? Ryan. Ryan. Mountains. It's not about mountains. It's about um it is about a knight and it is um credited with getting people really interested in the medieval period. Oh, so it's like the top gun for <laughs> the navy. <laughs> Definitely. Um Ivan is referenced in the hit song The Guns of Brixton. Which punk band performed Guns of Brixton? My Ryan. Mike. The Clash. The Clash. Mike. Who else recorded this song? Mike. Ryan. Ryan. Me first in the Gimme Gimme's. <laughs> That's not the answer I'm looking for, so I'm going to say no. Mike. Uh, Jimmy Cliff. Jimmy Cliff. Mike. Jimmy Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what is cola wine? Mike. Mike. So when I was in grad school... Uh, a bartender at a trash bar I used to go to with friends was like, I know it sounds awful, but you're going to love it. Mix half cola, half red wine on ice. Yeah, and it's delicious. Mike. So should we drink this? Ryan. I'm into Ryan. it. No. Ryan? <laughs> Mike. No, actually, we should drink it. Uh, uh, people are like, it's one of those things that people are like, okay, maybe this doesn't sound good, but these flavors are actually very well paired. And a lot of people say, especially if you have like a trash red wine, yeah. that mixing it with some Coca-Cola. I thought when they were talking about it, I thought it was wine that had cocaine in it, which to me sounds like something I wouldn't try anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to be able to taste wine, and I think if Coke was in, yeah, it, you wouldn't right, be able like, to. I always wondered that about Coca-Cola. Like, would you just take a sip and your whole mouth would go numb? Oh, no. <laughs> cocaine, the greatest taste known to man. <laughs> Ivanhoe is based on a real Jamaican gangster with one notable difference. What is the difference? Mike. Mike. Uh, he was like in the 40s. Okay. That, that is a difference. I should give Mike a point for that. Any other notable differences? Ryan. Ryan. He was not into music? He was not a singer, no. He hated music. <laughs> uh, and then I'll tell you one last one because I just watched an interview with uh, writer, director... Percy Hazel. Perry Henzel. And uh, he said also, person. this part, this one really surprised me. He said also he was not really that much of a folk hero. Mm. That people were really into the story because he was going around shooting people up and it was exciting and gave everybody something to talk about. But it was not like this, like, you're so cool, dude. People were like, eh. It's, is that just who give him something to talk about the song is about? The not famously not reggae song? Classic reggae song. <laughs> I love the idea, though, of like Jimmy Cliff and... Uh, Ivanhoe, they combined them for this movie. Like, yeah. let's take uh, Dangerous Criminal and then me and combine them. 
And so he does all this crazy, killer, badass stuff and then records a podcast every once in a while. <laughs> and then we combine the two characters. That's what else Henzel said. Henzel said that he like let Jimmy Cliff kind of take the character and then not rewrite him, but like he changed the character so that it would fit Jimmy Cliff better. That's smart. Which I thought would... Yeah, I thought that was a, a, a good move because Jimmy Cliff, he's like, well, Jimmy Cliff knows what it's like to be in the music industry, so I kind of leaned on him for that. Uh, what movie plays in the theater? Ryan. Ryan. Django. Django. Fully what's chained. The significance, what's the significance of that, you figure? Mike. Ryan. Mike. Uh, they say uh, Ivan and his friend are talking. Like, he's going to die. And he's like, no, no, no. He's the hero. He can't die until the last reel. <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> What do you say, Ryan? Um, I think that uh, it's a uh, a movie done cheaply, an exploitation movie, um, where we get our nationality, you know, our people. Finally, we get to see our people on screen killing who we consider to be the bad guys or the authority. Uh, I think that we get to cheer people. Um, unfortunately, the it is the revisionist version of Django last or Heart of the Cowboys because. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about the ending of uh, harder right. later. But yeah, uh, I think that there's a ton of connections. But still, we want to make the crowd go crazy with harder they come, which is the same. They have the same effect that Django had on Jimmy and the director when they were kids. A lot of people when Django came out are like, "This is not a good movie because it's too violent," and that's kind of what people liked about it. So I felt like there was that that kind of mirrored my reaction to this movie. I didn't. My it's not that my my the violence was my favorite part. I just thought it flowed more organically than most people do. And it's interesting both those movies have that same complaint about them. I also read today that Django had thirty sequels. Whoa! Wow! Yeah. Is that the That's most? a lot of sequels. Pump them out, baby. <laughs> uh, Django uh, from nineteen sixty six is a loose retelling of what samurai movie? Ryan. Ryan. Uh, I'm going to say The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. No, sir. Mike, any guesses? Mike, uh, The Seven Samurai. Not The Seven Samurai. It's Yo Jimbo. Yo! Guys, it, Jimbo. It's Jimbo! What are we if on the streets of Philly? Bring Yo, me that beef jerky. Yo Jimbo means the bodyguard, and if you haven't seen this movie, you should check it out. He rolls into a town, and there's two rival factions, just like in Django, and basically he's like, I could make some money off of this, and he sets the two rival factions off against each other, and then has them destroy each other, and helps each side to destroy the other. That's uh, dope. That, the only movie I've seen like that is a Bruce Willis remake called Last Man Standing. All right, there you go. In the 1920s, the only Yo Jimbo I fuck with has two long ears and is a rabbit, and his name is Usagi. I do believe that he is is a reference to this character. Uh, he's also like instead of being like this like samurai that's like very fastidious about his appearance, he's like totally like a schlub. I love it so much. It's a great movie. Check it out, and it's got a sequel, and I cannot remember the name of the sequel. Uh, in the original cut of the Harder They Come, what is different about the lashing scene? Ryan. Ryan. There's piss and shit. No, it's like that, but no. Mike, more blood. Mike, not more blood. Uh, in the original cut, you see his full dick, and in the the way it was phrased when I heard that you saw his full dick is it becomes apparent that he's definitely peeing. So I think oh, you see uh, his peeing dick, which oh. would have to be like kind of a first in cinema history, right? That's, yeah, I don't think that's legal by... I mean, it's not... Uh, like, penetration's like the ultimate... Yeah, you cannot yeah, show, is. but... Oh. <laughs> 
Settle down, buddy. Uh, we are big penetration fans here. But as much as you can't show a penis going into things, I also think that you can't show Stuff things coming, coming out, out of penises. Yeah. And so they were like, no way, man. People can't know about the secret function of the penis. Was he cut? Do you know? Uh, I don't know, actually. That's an interesting question. When you find out, let me know. Uh, but yeah, it it hasn't really survived the kind of new, the reprint in 2006. They made some changes, and that, that was a big one. You no longer see a peeing dick. Also, did it. he come? And if so, how hard? Was it the hardest? The harder? Good, those are good questions. Mike. Mike. Mike those are Mike points. Mike does sure. not know the answer. Um, this movie's poster appears in the on the main character's walls in what Jordan Peele movie? Ryan. Ryan. Uh, I'm going to say Get Out. Mike. Nope. Mike. Nope. Yep. <laughs> Mike. It is a nope. In 2004, The Harder They Come was ranked what on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs? You each get one guess. Closest wins. Price is Right rules? Price is Right rules, yeah. Closest without going over. Ryan. Ryan. One. Mike. Thirteen. It is 341. Why would I go first? That was so <laughs> fucking dumb. I would just say one. 500 is so many. Yeah. Oh, he had to. <laughs> um, is that too high or too low? It's a great song. Yeah, it is I'd like say too low. It definitely doesn't follow that Studio 60 thing of we're the funniest show on earth and then just have the worst skits of oh, all time. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Studio 60 sucks. It's guys. crazy. Uh, Studio 60 showed that Aaron Sorkin had never deigned to watch a comedy because he thought comedy was beneath him. <laughs> Uh, should it be called Greg A? <laughs> Mike. Mike? No. Mike. It should not. No. It should. <laughs> um, should it, though? Ryan. Ryan? Uh, yes, I think it Honestly, should. Honestly, yeah. I kind of <laughs> think that. Ryan. I don't know. But should it? Mike. Though? Mike, can I finish the freaking question? Oh, that should be a negative point. But should it? Ryan. Though? Ryan. Oh, Jesus, shit. could I just answer the. <clears throat> but should it? Though, Ryan. Ryan. No, it really should not. Yeah. That would be Ryan. the question is a little offensive, mm-hmm. honestly. And then to pose it so many times, I, I'm not sure. Well, that's the end of trivia. <laughs> when we come back, it's time to return to talking about the harder they come. If you've heard of this movie today, it's probably for its reputation as the movie that introduced reggae to the states, or as we consider calling it, Greggae. <laughs> Whether that's true or not, how important is Henzel and Cliff's use of reggae to the movie? Would it have worked I- as well if he was a wannabe country star or a wannabe golfer? I've always struggled with the term musical. Like, there's a lot of. Uh, I always think that it's uh, you stop the plot to continue the plot, or you stop the dialogue to continue the plot through singing. That's what I think of a yeah. musical, right? So, like, and so the people in it aren't really singing in their reality right? right yeah or like chicago is one where like they they are on a stage all of a sudden yeah uh little shop that you know like their real it just the reality adapts um but things like that thing you do i've never considered a musical no uh it- this is the first movie i've watched where i'm like no this is a musical because the way that it leans on music so much to tell mm. its story that uh, my definition of musical might be have been wrong this entire time. So will that make you rethink that thing you do? I don't rethink anything, Mike, <laughs> and you know that about me. We are proud modern it's Americans. Actually... We have our opinions, and we are not reconsidering them. My favorite thing about Ryan. Uh, we have I, the facts, I, I, and we're not voting at all. 
the the difference between musical and music driven. I think it is music driven. I, I don't know if I would call it a musical. I don't want to be Mike hurt here, and thankfully I was not. Uh, <laughs> Wait, like well, by me throwing a bottle at your head, or what? Yeah, do you mean I, was, I was afraid. I've seen what bottles can do because of this movie. I know, man. Those guys went <laughs> straight from uh, talking it out to fucking <laughs> stabbing. <laughs> uh, I, I think why why it is so important that it's reggae is that it feels new because the first group we see stopped uh mr hilton yeah does a sort of like somewhere between gospel doo-wop barbershop quartet thing and then it does feel like it's not that ivan is the first but he's on the early wave of like no 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 this is that new sound you're gonna want to hear it also (laughs) it's the sound you've been looking for i really it's your cousin sorry you go it's in no way (laughs) it's in no way incidental to what's going on like it, there's this way in which it proves to the audience that he has real talent in right. a way that like you couldn't otherwise convince the audience like it is undeniable and also you see him switch into his like on stage persona mm-hmm. and you see that like he does have it he's supposed to be famous he's supposed right. to make it and so i think it helps to, to to show how foreclosed his his opportunities really are and what in part causes him to make the decisions that he makes. I, so- I love that we s- get to see another group cut a track in the studio. Yeah. That's lingo. Uh, <laughs> because they are doing it, but it feels like maybe they're resting on their laurels, but they're phoning it in. It is reggae, but it is just like, here's what we do. There's not that hunger. There's not that talent. There's well, not it, the effort that he does. It's a group of studio musicians with no star. Like, yeah. Right. So like yeah. even the lead singer, he literally a has a star musician. on his chest. Yeah. And he comes in with a star on his chest. But um, if you were to tell somebody before they watch this movie that like it's about how important it's a, it's it's a Jamaican movie about how important um reggae and uh, ganja is, they would roll their eyes like, oh yeah, wow, could that be more cliche? Some white dick named Chad write this? <laughs> yeah, not not Chad, but um, his name was Perry Henzel. That uh, is a he. The writer director of this is white. I did not know that. Um, what? But when yeah, you- I didn't know how to bring it up because, like, I, I. But he, the, the guy that wrote and directed this is a is a white Jamaican guy. Okay, well, white Jamaican. Um, but when you watch it, you realize why it's about reggae and weed, and it's because um, how everything else is basically shut down and pushed out. Uh, that they don't. Th- th- there's really so few opportunities. If you want to do, um doo-wop or anything else that like that's already been taken over that's already been done that market is cornered if you do reggae you can create your own corner and again it's not called reggae but like you you're inventing you're on the like you're almost like uh it's like 1990 right and hair metals everywhere (laughs) and now you're kurt cobain you're on the precipice of creating what's about to be huge john and john of they might be giants absolutely rock Absolutely. Um, and, but like, it's, it, doo-wop is, as much as we all love it, it's, I would say it's our favorite genre. The way those guys perform it, they snap into such a tight oh, harmony, right? Man, they look, yeah. he's like, basically what the, the, the just to sketch the audience up, the, uh, the guy that runs like the only record uh, recording place in town, 
has a meeting with these guys and he just doesn't show up to it because he has no respect for anybody else. And so they're waiting there all day. And when he finally does drive by them, he stops briefly and they're like, we have a song for you. And he's like, perform it right now. And they look at each other like, this is such bullshit. And they immediately snap into a really tight five-part harmony. And it sounds beautiful, but... But I think it's a little not tight as in musically tight. It's a little tight as in like their buttholes are clenched tight. Yeah, like, so weird. A that couple of them are standing at like military attention yeah. while they do it. But with reggae, the thing that like is being created as we speak, th- what they're doing is they're creating something that's like groove plus message. Right. Yeah. Right. They're creating this genre that's like we can do right. both of these things where people can dance and also we can get uh, we can be a little bit political, but we can also uh, have a good time at the party. And that's what Ivan, that's what uh, Ivan wants to be a part of. That's what all of his friends want to be a part of. But it's ours. It, it belongs to us. And right. that's why it's so important. Another thing that I think is important about the the music in this is um, it is, I think, a stand-in for, like, the spirit of, of Jamaica. If you listen to Henzel talk, he talks about how, like, this is a movie about spirit. And it's funny because there is the, the spirit that exists in the recording studio, which is, like, alive and um, transformative. And then there's the spirit of the music when Preacher, like, is in the church, which is awful. Yeah. And then there's the spirit of the music when a different Preacher is in the church. And then it's, like then the spirit is there again. And so we get to see that one of our chief antagonists, the preacher has like, doesn't really have the actual spirit in him. And we get to see that like made manifest in the awful, awful, awful singing we hear in his part of the church. I I thought it was so important that we get two different preachers do it because especially uh, folks of our persuasion, atheists, damn dirty hell, driven atheists hey uh, i i am an agnostic okay? okay oh there might be something pussy. there might be something uh, <laughs> hedging your bets so but but i think it's used oh, to be like well yeah don't send me to hell i said there might be something <laughs> what if god was like those are the people who get sent to hell the hardest yeah, yeah dude <laughs> pick uh, a side bitch it, so I, I what i like it, it it does add a level of nuance that it's not that all the church is evil because it's so, I, I do think it's very important to the culture here. And in the movie, it's saying it is this guy who uses his power. Yes. Corrosively. Yes. Uh, and, and like is a preacher, not because of the, the, the spirit and the word of God, right. but because what it gives him, which is the ability to raise and then maybe marry Ooh. the girl that he is raising. We'll talk about Elsa in the next segment, but not, not necessarily married. Totally we, fucked. But we, not got, we, got, we got to get into that relationship but like, in the next the, segment. I think the most important thing th- about the church to me is that we are in this church, and you guys know that how much the church, especially Christian churches, yes. sweep me away. I am touched by them. I like, I get a tear in my eye. They're so moving. The uh, word of God. Uh, but Ivan doesn't <laughs> seem to be moved by them. Ivan's kind of bo- this is like everyone in on the stage and the audience is like oh taken away yeah taken back by how uh, incredible the church music is Ivan seems a little bit bored and is paying more attention to Elsa than Elsa yeah then, Elsa she wants then, to build a snowman then the uh, then the church music he doesn't care about how impact so it's not the music to him it's specific kinds of music right right so uh, he doesn't care about this music also he cares more about the reggae the one that's created by his island, his people, yeah, not the one that the Jamaicans decided as an island to become Christian. Ryan, did 
did they decide? I mean, yeah, I think you're it was, asking us. Yeah. Uh, well, it was like probably the, imported. The history it was of, it imported? The, <laughs> the history of Jamaica, right, is that Spain owned it and then England like won it from them. And in the meantime, the, game? the populace yeah. is just like basically like subjected to the dominant culture. A large part of it was yeah, Christianity yeah. was like enforced on them. And I think that also plays into the country city dynamic because uh and Henzel I know this from listening to an interview with Henzel he he pointed out um that the that Jamaica the history of Jamaica is some slaves escaped as soon as they got there like they were like not even slaves on the island they escaped right away and went up into the hills and then managed to basically evade capture for all time and so the country has this spirit of like we have never surrendered and we never will and I think that makes like I've been a little bit more understandable when you realize that that's like the impetus behind him is that like, and that's supposed to be where the spirit of reggae comes from. And so then the spirit of the, of the religious city folk is like kind of this in, uh, I mean, kind of this like, yeah, very complicated relationship with religion and power dynamics and and everything else. I mean, I, I like, I know that, you know, it's a worldwide religion and blah, blah, blah. But I, whenever I see people doing Christian stuff, I think, uh, look at that white people shit. And like, it's hard not to, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who'd be deeply offended by that, but I just do think that when you are a white atheo agnostic, um, you kind of see Christianity in other places, and it feels like part of imperialism. I mean, right. it was literally uh, a vehicle of it imperialism. Was. It's because yeah. it, it, it was imperialism. But it's hard because you never want to tell people that, like, you don't. You, I would if it, if there were a Jamaican Christian here, I wouldn't want to be like, hey, you know why you believe what you believe. That's not right? what we're saying. I'm saying yeah. that this movie is trying as part of his message to say that Christianity yeah. in this movie yes, is yes, what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah. Yeah. That, We're saying Christianity right. is great. Imperialize the shit out of everybody. But right. this I movie... Don't <laughs> the movie's going against <laughs> imperialism. Do you know what's wild? It's, it's not just... This, I do think it's part of the point that this movie is making, but so many movies do this, is during the... What do they call it? The lecture? I went to so much church growing up. I should know. What, what do the they homily? call their lectures? The homily? I don't know. What, it's my turn to talk now. Yeah. Fucking saying nothing. Boring oh, yeah. as shit. He's saying bullshit, time wasting. Like, this could have been an email. It was <laughs> awful. And it's kind of the same stuff, right? Which is like, we, we are beings Sermon. of pure love, and everybody else is fucking disgusting and terrible. <laughs> All we care about is love, and they are disgusting monster Dude, people. Church has figured out the same thing that movie theaters did buy an air conditioner. That's <laughs> why people are in the building. Ryan. When we come back, we're going to build a Rushmore to the women of 1973. Mount Rushmore! Everybody has one main problem with Mount Rushmore, and it's that it's kind of a sausage party. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of dudes up on the mountain, and that's not what we need. What we need is some women. The 1973 women, to be specific... And we've had a little bit of a rule change here on Movie of the Year because of my propensity to get so excited about what I'm hearing that I just throw people right up on the mountain willy-nilly. I've gotten a directive from producer Dave that I must hear two people from both of you. And, so that's four Toto, I will most likely only choose two of those four. So you might want to use a little bit of strategery here because you might want to throw out one that you feel good about and one that is a liner because I I think only two are going to go through. So to start off my first four before I am allowed to (laughs) 
put anybody on the mountain, and we are all holding this to me. Mike, what is your first pick for the women of 1973? Imagine it's 1973. Of course I am, Mike. I'm already doing that part. Ryan. And a little oh, <laughs> a little group called Gladys Knight and the Pips came out with an album called Imagination. First single, Midnight Train to Georgia. Oh. Georgia. We would be <laughs> remiss, and we hate to be remiss on this podcast, if we did not include Gladys Knight. Could you imagine? In earlier episodes of this show, I probably would have I would have thrown her right up on the mountain. I would have said, Yeah, you bet. She's I'm such lying. a woman of nineteen seventy three that I am thinking about just saying the other three heads, Pips. Make okay. them all Pips. Okay. All and pips. Pr- and again, see, this is why we had to have the new rule. Because then I would have been like, that's the mountain, segment over. <laughs> right? But no, that's not how we could do it. Ryan, who is your pick? to put on the queue for potential women on our Mount Rushmore. I'm going to test out your rule, your new rule right now, Greg. Uh-oh. Um, it's getting late in the night. We're all a little bit tired, mm-hmm. and we need some coffee. Sure. Thanks. It's Pam Greer. Pam! Oh! Greer, wow. We That's... have been waiting for this movie all season. Yes. We've been counting down the weeks, so we finally get to watch the, can I just say the, the, Pla- winner. Black exploitation <laughs> film, the winner of 1973 season. <laughs> um, uh, the clear winner of Best Actress. Uh, step aside, Tatum O'Neill, you short little fucks. Get out of here, child. <laughs> um, I, I just think that uh, when you think of the early 70s, like she owned it. Uh, Jackie Brown has already won yep. a movie of the year award. And we didn't even know what the fuck we were talking about because we were yeah. like, Oh, uh, Jackie, uh, Pam Greer, who is this uh, upstart new actress from the 1990s? And now we're about to see where she came from. It's Pam Greer. Yeah. Do you know um, what's fucked up? Sorry. What's fucked up, Mike? Oh, I recently watched Mars Attacks, and she's in it, and she's not a badass at all. She's just Wait, there. What? And I was like, what? She? What, you guys? Let Pam Greer punch some fucking aliens in the fucking face. <laughs> Pam Greer is on the short list of most beautiful people to ever exist, and I definitely would have put her right on this mountain before I got this new rule saying I'm not allowed to. My hands are tied. I legit everybody. thought I was going to make you break your new rule immediately. I almost did, but I like then I would have so little respect for myself. Where's your integrity? If I did Greg? that, where's your integrity? Yeah, and you know who I'm really doing this for, listeners? You. Because I think you deserve more candidates before I just put them all on the mountain. So we are on our third pick. Mike, I believe it is back to you going directly onto the maybe pile. Who do you got? I'm not kidding around with this pick. Okay. When I ask you. I'm writing that note here. Not kidding. can remember all those months ago when we started and the first movie we watched was 1973's Brian De Palma's Sisters. It's Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. Oh, wow. I'm so glad I made this rule. I mean, we'd have three on the mountain, right? <laughs> uh, you're just a cuck. I can't. You tell me the names of fabulous women, I get excited, and then I want to like somehow enshrine them. Uh, yeah, she is like magnetic in this, and it's one of those things where uh, it invites you to wonder, do you like uh, the woman when she is like sort of innocent and demure-seeming, or do you like the woman when she is actively stabbing you in the face? And for guys mm-hmm. like me and Mike, 
<laughs> a little of both, right? We love a woman who can handle a blade on this show. Which one do I like? I think you like a nice woman more. Hmm. <laughs> I'm such a fucking cuck. <laughs> yeah, you're a real cuck. All right, Ryan, rounding out our initial maybes, do who do you think goes in the fourth position? You know what you could do? When you ask for your fifth, whoever that is, you could put one onto the mountain. After the fifth, one can go on it. I don't. I like so. Like I get to the fifth, and then I put one, and on. then one goes on. Okay. Right, he's trying to host you right now. No, no. Now. I'm just, I was just, this I was is your just, season. I was just <laughs> suggesting some, one little thing because uh, I thought like this is a right. work in progress. I like it. I enjoy it, Ryan. Thank you for the suggestion. Legendarily, in 1973, Mike was a piece of shit, and one woman wrote two songs on one day. Which one shall I sing, A or B? I will let you two pick. Jolene. B. <laughs> Both are. Jolene is B. Jolene. 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 Dolly Parton is my fucking name. Um, yeah. Look, uh, d- not. Uh, so many people talk about her incredible niceness. Yeah. Her philanthropy. The fact that she was like, oh, I'll give my own money to solve COVID. Yes, sure. Dude. Yes. yes. Somebody's yes. got to do it. Right. I'm going to increase child literacy by giving every child like 18 books. But also a babe. But also yeah. a super babe and so nice. And like keeping big hair as like an attractive thing for years, for big years hair, and care. years. When asked um, how long does it take to do your hair, she said, and I quote, I don't know. I'll ask the person who does it. That's the kind of person Dolly Parton is. Boss ass bitch. Bitch. The meanest thing Dolly Parton has ever said is, bless your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And the person died. (laughs) Mike. All right. So now we're entering territory where someone is going to get put on the mountain. Mike, who's your next pick? Greg, you are so vain, you probably think this next pick is about you. Okay. It's Carly Simon. Oh, okay. No, I was just doing a little thing. I don't yeah, think you're doing it at all. I get it. Because uh, we have to like warm up into what we say, you know. Yeah, yeah I can't just say a name. A little bit of runway there. I like it. Is uh is the joke behind this song that it's about more than one guy? So it's like a, like there's like eight guys who might think this song is about them and they're all going to think it really is. The second verse is about Warren Beatty. <laughs> the, the first one other... about Ned Beatty. <laughs> the, other... <laughs> the, uh, the other verses right. are different dudes. Uh-huh. Uh, and Carly called it out and was like, she's like, no matter what I say, Warren is going to think this whole song is about him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So Did, is this the one she called the second verse her Warren piece? Is that what she said? Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know what Mike? I actually heard? Point for Mike. <laughs> the third verse is about Joey from Full House. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome okay so now i'm looking at my list here and i'm going to select from these five wonderful women uh gladys knight pam greer Margot kidder dolly parton or carly simon and the first one and i'm so glad i did this because she was the second suggested but she is absolutely number one with i guess a storm of bullets really pam greer nice. um, i can't hate I was introduced to Pam Greer when she was like, uh, you know, in Jackie Brown. So mm-hmm. these are not like when she was like the the young hot actress early in her career. She, in that movie, she was she an old hot still, actress late in her career. Holy cow! <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman! And I'm excited about um, getting to watch Coffee. All that right, that was '97, right? 
Back I yes. remember being a 10-year-old uh, seeing a trailer for a movie that I would not be allowed to see for years. And yes. having she just leans over and says, Jackie Brown and Dora. And be like, I'm intrigued in a way my body has never been intrigued <laughs> about anything. I bet it's so fun for Pam Greer to just hear generations of men <laughs> describe like their awareness that developed as yeah. they watched her as a, as a young child. That must just be like a really fun conversation to have with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> All right. So we have one up on the mountain. Ryan, who you got? Uh, I think that um, kind of like it's for for boys. Every time we do this restaurant with the boys, it's like, who did people tell us to do? Yes. And then for uh, the ladies, it's Bond. Who are the Bond ladies? Oh, fuck you. And uh, this is <laughs> somebody who um, I think her father wrote Under the Bleachers. Uh, the author uh, by the name of Seymour Butts. This is Jane Seymour, the Bond girl from Live and Let Die. She would go on to be Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, who, and uh, I would say that she stayed a babe for decades. Yeah. She was the mom in, not Step Brothers, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kitty Cat. Still keeping it. Kitty Cat. Did you motorboat her? (laughs) God damn it. I just became a fucking, uh, like, <laughs> Wall Street douchebag quoting <laughs> stupid comedies. I'm going. Oh, we're to, taking it back. <laughs> I'm going to make my second choice here for the mountain, and the mountain usually has presidents on it, but we're putting queens up on it right now. And Dolly Parton is going straight up there. That was you as well, Ryan. It was. It do. Ryan. I I am like proud to like Dolly Parton. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels good to just be like she's cool. She's. The, the Beyonce of the seventies, right? Like, just, just be a fan. Shut the fuck up and be a fan. Yeah, like I don't want to. Don't complicate it. Don't complicate it at all. Mike, who you got? I think history has treated this woman differently through the ages. Uh, she looks. She has a unique look, but I think it is uh, irrefutable that nineteen seventy three, uh, the star of the way we were was a total babe and that was baber streisand <laughs> barbara streisand Strice babe i i have to say i as the season has gone on i've gotten a little concerned that we were too dismissive of there's a the couple of movies we that are like oh fuck they're not in this it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, instead of like putting tuki buki aside yeah. i would say that the most brought up non 16 movie it, non movie of the 16 yeah. is probably the way we were i mean it might it's redford like, it's pollock yeah besides like the exorcist it was like probably the biggest movie of 1973 and so we i just i didn't feel like it but i also don't really know that much about it and like watching the exorcist was a perfect example of like i didn't know anything about the exorcist i thought i knew i thought it started with the priest arriving at the house and everything was going <laughs> to just be in the house so starting in iraq was very confusing to me and it reminded me that until you've seen a movie, you don't really know anything about it. And so nah, to be to be so dismissive, personally, because I've never seen it, I was just like, nah. What if the exorcist was just the priest, like on the poster, standing outside the house with the light on, just going like, I got to go in there. Yeah, dude. God, I dude. don't want to. Like, like, man, just knocking. Ha- <laughs> you know you got the rumble tums, right? Like, uh, I know I don't have to poop, but it feels like I have to poop because of how much I, I don't want to go do this exorcism. I hope this house has two toilets. <laughs> okay, so now I'm going to put another one up here. And you know what? It's my list. Margot Kidder. Uh, yes. She is, and that's you, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Uh, she's like so many things in um, Sisters, but 
very alluring is definitely one of them, and it, it can be a little confusing at times, but... And I good baseball it. name. Margo Kidder. <laughs> Please, I'm trying to bat here. All right. Ryan, give me a pick. Let's go speed roundy here. I want to get some more for the list, and then I want to make a pick. So let's go back and forth a little bit. Ryan, who you got speed rounds? Uh, Coffee was not the only one rocking the... Um, Black exploitation movie theaters. We also have Tamara Dobson, who played Cleopatra Jones. I know that she didn't make it into the bracket, so I will just uh, show everyone a picture real quick of who right. this person was. I, another woman making big hair look very attractive. Yes. What was the name? Can I look it up? Uh, Tamara Dobson. Oh, I'm sorry, Tamara Dobson. Tamara Dobson. And, like, uh, I'll see you today, Dobson, but I'd love to see you tomorrow, Dobson. <laughs> Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman deserving of a spot on the mountain? Well, we'll have to see. Mike? Uh, I'm I'm out. All I right. have other women of the 70s, but for, for specifically 1973, I, I regret to inform you. I'm then out. I'm going to look over the rest of these and make my pick. And I got to be true to Greg. We did not talk about her movie. It was... One of the worst movies I've ever seen, actually, that James Bond movie that Jane Seymour was in. But Jane Seymour herself is extremely pretty in it. Uh, Do you know who she is? Uh, the Diane Lane of the 70s. Just like classic, timeless beauty. And Jane Seymour, that was you, Mike? No, that was Ryan, I was too? Very, Uh-oh. I, I did Ryan. two giant middle fingers at Ryan because I was about to say oh, it. He got of course. It. Of course. Well, that makes our mountain of... Honestly, transcendent women of 1973. <laughs> Pam Greer, Dolly Parton, Margot Kidder, and Jane Seymour. And I have to say, I when I heard about this new rule, I was incensed. I was like, how dare you? I would never just take the first picks I hear and put them on the mountain. I think it, I think it worked, though. I think we got a, a nice representative sample of some of the wonderful women from 1973. When we come back, let's turn our focus on one of the women from this movie. This movie doesn't have a ton to say about the female experience, but we do have Elsa. What does Elsa see in Ivan, and what does the course of their relationship tell us about the movie? I I think what she sees in him, he is charismatic. He's a handsome guy. He's so handsome. Uh, and it's like the her parents died, and this preacher took her in, and the entire fucking town yeah. knows he took it, her in to fuck her that's someday. That's so fucking creepy. Except for her. Mike. Yeah, except so, for she's never heard she's like never heard that, but everybody that's what they talk about. And all the other people that work with right. him know this. Everybody else knows it except for her. She's got like two high school level like brace faced sleepover friends, and they're like, uh-huh. uh, you know why he? Uh, like, still <laughs> he's has a man it. of God, but he's still a man. It's and I so I think Ivan is a choice that is her. Even if it's a yes. bad choice, it is her choice. Mike. And it, it is like she's in a strict household. He's kind of a bad boy. He's like, isn't church dumb? Like how I'm singing this song, kind of making fun of it. And she's like, hey, I take this seriously, but that's alluring. I mean, whether or not she's not literally the daughter of a preacher man, but like she is the daughter of a preacher man. Yeah. And he honestly seems like the only boy that could reach her. Which is like, um, man, <laughs> gentlemen out there uh, if you really want to find somebody who is fucked up and will do crazy things let me tell you find the daughter of a preacher man <laughs> ryan means water sports <laughs> <laughs> like like, they love jet like skis. water polo yeah. And okay. yeah like water polo or jet skis 
Water polo on a jet ski. Not, um, nothing to do with the urine. This movie does that thing. I, the, part of the, the reason that I do think of this movie as a musical or a fable. <laughs> Took me a second. Uh, <laughs> is the way that it cuts through plot, right? Yeah. Like, we don't have a lot of time uh-huh. to develop things. So it does the thing that, like. We sh- got two different movies in this one movie already. So. Right. So we, we, got, a, we got a motor. Uh, and so it does the thing of, like, that Shakespeare or old movies do where it's like, hey, uh, you're going to be my wife? Already, and then we're just like <laughs> yeah. we're, we're we're going there, Ryan. There's a moment you can see that happen, and it is the singing, and she's distracted, and then it starts to do these. I don't know if it's like her sexual fantasies, and it's her sexual awakening, or flash forwards. But then suddenly they're just like naked in the ocean, and then they're back in church, still singing where they were, and then they're naked in the. And you're like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if that scene ever happened in their life, it's, but it's, it is fascinating i think it i think it is i think you're totally right mike and i think that you your intimation that it is a fantasy is correct because of like the context in which it's shown what's interesting though is we never see the two of them do that Mm -hmm. but we see her and what's his name pedro and Mm -hmm. pedro's kid do that and i think that's interesting the way we get this idea that like she does eventually realize there are other boys who are not just the preacher or the rebellious ivan but there are people who are caring and loving. And so I think it's interesting that, like, she sort of lives out an element of that fantasy mm-hmm. with Pedro. Right. Like, that's sort of, like, the – that's the friend. That's the place that I go to to get my the, my emotional needs yeah. because right. I have the – You can't the, get that from your husband. The, the bad daddy and the bad husband. And then – Bad daddy. The, the w- <laughs> <laughs> I hate when you take <laughs> two words that I said and repeat them like that. In that tone of voice. It's just the worst part of my life. <laughs> two words. <laughs> Actually, life. I like when Greg does it. I hate when Mike does it. Um, we have the uh, symbolic moment of the sort of the key to the chastity belt, which is the key to the church, right? Uh, oh, nice. So um, Ryan. Ivan needs a place to record his song. And the only place he can do that is the church. So he, she says, I absolutely cannot do that. You are being a ridiculous fool. There is no way that can happen. Uh, but baby, The preacher is the most powerful person in the world. Right. And if I let someone yeah. into his church, that would be like death. Like he is the king of the city. Yeah. And the king of my household. Um, that's so fucked up. But by, and then she uh, relents almost immediately. And well, Ivan does say, choose between me or the preacher. And everybody <laughs> knows if somebody gives you an ultimatum, you got to go with them. You got to go with Mr. But, ultimatum. But he is saying that I'm going to be a star. Yeah. And she she rolls the dice not just because uh, she believes that he's going to be a star, but also because fuck this. I just yeah, found yeah. out that this preacher only is raising me to fuck me and marry me. So fuck this. Like It's, it's sort of like a, uh, I'm going to roll with Ivan, but I'm also going to burn my whole household down. He's right. my dad. And he's my religious leader. And I just found out everybody knows I'm supposed to be his wife at some point. That is so much. Like, you would take any avenue. And then when it's Ivan, and he's got this charisma, he's got the star power, he is... He's beautiful, and the way he dresses really accentuates how attractive he is. And then he's just got, like, something that most other people don't. He doesn't have to, like, prove how cool he is, in the beginning of the movie, at least. It just, like, sort of is accepted. And so she's really drawn to all of that. But I think it's completely because she's only known this preacher. The movie does leave Elsa for a long time, right, for, like, long patches. But when the scenes that we get to spend with her are so important there's one way later on where 
Ivan is, you know, like the the record is big. He's big. He's such he's, a big piece of crap at this point. He's a big time criminal, and he's like, "Hey, I we're about to become stars, but in order for me to keep up my star appearance, I need some money. I need two dollars." And she says, "Well, I only have two dollars. I need it to buy groceries for tomorrow." And he's like, two dollars. You have two dollars. That's crazy. I just said I need two dollars. Give me your two dollars." <laughs> And the look on her face is like, are you all fucking all fucking men? Like literally all fucking men are fucking like this. This is yes, all men. Um, that like her going from, she's the she's the person. I know that Ivan is the arc that we're supposed to follow, but her going from what uh, I'm I'm a young girl. This is so crazy. Going to like, are you fu- like this is life? Are you fucking serious? This is life. A lot of men are basically lions. They want to sleep all day. They want to fuck constantly. And they want a woman to go out and, like, bring them back food. Work. And so that's exactly what he, that, what he does. And he's like, listen, I've got the record. And she's like, Ivan, you sold the record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sold you sold already. And he's like, yeah, but I'm going to be famous. And she's like, there's not money in this, Ivan. Please stop. Meanwhile, he's getting, like, all dressed to go to the club to listen to his own song play. Oh, this is pretty good. I wonder who that <laughs> guy yeah, is. Wow, this Ivan guy's really got it all figured to out. S- huh? To start a whisper campaign. Yeah, uh, I'm hearing like, a lot about Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's not – people don't, like, uh, hand you dollar bills when they hear about, like, that you started that campaign. So, like, you might be able to, like, float on free clothes and booze, but, like, there's no money in the bank account after this. Yeah, mm. and that's another way – I mean, that's how much the, the Hilton, the guy that owns the record studio, that's how much he has screwed everybody. That all these people yeah. are really good artists, and it's interesting that the the movie is going to send the music out into the world, or be like part of what sends the music out into the world, and the world confirms that like, yeah, this is it. This is the sound. Everybody loves this, and yet the people that are making it in the movie are so exploited, just so viciously exploited, really, and made to be like. And you fools. know that happened. You know there's a real Mr. Hilton. Oh yeah. Oh right. yeah. I mean, because like that that I think that the movie does capture what must be the reality of Jamaica, which is that everything is already spoken for, basically. Like these new people come around, babies being born every day, but like most of the economic opportunity has been like already stolen, right? Uh, what is it? First cow. Uh, every every fortune begins with a crime, right? And all the crimes have already been committed like 250 years before the movie starts. And I I think there has to be, and this this is coming from a very like I grew up in the U.S. specific lens, but there has to be a a fact that Mr. Hilton and the chief of the police who just likes lying in hammocks. Yeah. Uh, the guys who run everything are light skinned and mm. th- there's definitely that colorism that comes in. Right. Uh, it, sure. Again, like I'm guessing and projecting from what I know here. Yeah. And have seen, but it is the light skinned black folks who are controlling darker skinned black folks. Oh no. I, I think that's very clear, especially like when uh, Ivan starts to figure out what's going on. We go from like seeing gasoline commercials and oil commercials to we uh, hearing like, hair straightening commercials yeah and then there's also the dj who is also light-skinned and then when he like does his dj thing well hello jamaica he reminds me of the of the goon from um from the long goodbye paco who's like hey boss i think we've got a (laughs) got a problem here with this philip marlowe character like he basically goes on the radio that's that your uh putty that was a pretty good putty (laughs) that was a good putty (laughs) That's uh, my David Putty, yeah. <laughs> um, this movie does not feature 
like maybe except in some background shots, white people. And yet the specter, because <laughs> we're so white, of white people does seem to be there. Where did you feel or is race an issue in this movie? And if so, where did you feel it? I mean, the church scenes, you know, like yeah. that, like we talked about, like the, the church. Um, I just I don't think Christianity the, like as a function on the or as a reality on the island. It's hard for me to mm-hmm. think about like how these like the Jamaican people invented Christianity at the same time that everybody else did. And that that it's I, I feel like people moved in, said, hey, uh, come work for us for little to no money. And then also here's Jesus. Do you love him? You know, in our way of thinking, you guys are actually preferred because you have it so rough here. <laughs> oh, uh, good. That works out for me right now. And then, you know, um, there is just like the fact that like there it's hard to tell the story of Jamaica without the story of slavery and colonialism and like one superpower tearing it away from another superpower and everyone exploiting it at like every pass. Right. And I'm not saying that like there's not crime in literally every country. But I just feel like there, there's something about this, how like we have to resort to crime because of how everything else has been. Like Galactus has come, yeah, and taken everything. Ryan and yeah. Galactus is white, by the way. And then yeah, and then has decided that anyone else trying to take anything now is a big deal, right? Because like, we did, well, we did what this. Are you doing? Yeah, we are. No, the crime period is over. We did the crimes. Now we're all. You guys should have done more crimes then. But we didn't let you. Uh, yeah, a- any any country that, that white folks came in and carved the lines or imported folks to make the country, uh, now mo- so time, in modern times people are like, the racist white folks who say they're not racist like, look at them. They, they, have, they can't even run their country. And it's like, learn some history, motherfucker. Like, they, they never will, Mike. <laughs> they, they, it's illegal now. It's kind of their thing to not learn. Uh, does it even count as playing dominoes if you don't slam those bad boys down as hard as you can? But like, it fucks up the whole table. Like, yeah, dude. This do I sound it, white as shit right now? Like, that has right. to be the final throw, right? The, you can't the, do the that final every throw, throw you should do, and yeah. you should yell domino at the top of your lungs. But every throw before that, you should gently place the domino. Uh, but that that does take place before probably the cutest scene in the entire movie, which is when um, Ivan asks Jose about the Rialto. And Jose's like, uh, yeah, uh, in fact, I'll go with you. And he's like, oh, oh the, the, the two of us will go together because he needs yeah. a friend. And this is the first person to really be friendly towards him. And the way he lights up, like, ooh, a buddy, a buddy. <laughs> We've all uh, been there. Back-to-back movies about how hard it is as adults to make friends and go <laughs> to the movies because that last scene of The Exorcist yeah. is yeah. the cop yeah. and the priest being like, do you want to oh. go to a movie? I don't like that movie. Oh, we could go to a different movie. Nah. <laughs> just like, fuck. Do you want to just what? fuck you then, priest? How about that shit? <laughs> do you want to just get coffee or something? <laughs> I hate coffee. Is it true that the harder they come, the harder they fall? Every time I've um, come, yes. Because <laughs> you get these the harder Ryan comes, the harder somebody else falls. <laughs> I would say in this movie it's true. Because uh, remember yeah. that other guy comes for him it, about the bike. Yeah, and he slices that guy up like good. A he's lot. like, he's like, he, I like how he's very calm. He says to him, he's like, bud. Don't do this over a bike, right? And yeah. the guy's like, no, I demand that this happen. And he's like, all right, here we go. That's that's the first time it's really hard to like uh, make decisions about my feelings about Ivan because yeah. that guy was purposefully, dickishly taking away his livelihood, right? Right. In the I- thing he built, and he's like, well, nobody asked you to build it. He's like, okay, but I did. And gave me the whole idea of calling this movie neorealism right. because that guy was being a bicycle thief. <laughs> like let's be honest right like that yeah. isn't that the movie that 
created the genre. Yeah. Um, but so and and Ivan was like, let's not do this right now. Yeah. But then Ivan won the fight. Ivan was clearly the winner, and he was like, you know what? Five more slashes to the face. Dude, I have to say, this movie, I was once again very glad for the 1970s blood. It is so much easier (laughs) to take blood strawberry jelly yeah dude it's just so much easier to take if 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 everybody had like the real like dark more realistic like congealing blood if this was rob zombies the harder they come it would have been so disgusting (laughs) shit don't give him any ideas uh speaking of this fight would you choose you have choice here broken bottle or knife in a fight which way are you going oh which one to be attacked by or (laughs) which one are you fighting with you're you get to choose i think knife because yeah. You hit the bottle yeah. on the ledge, you have no idea what you're coming back with. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> could have nothing in your hand. <laughs> but I do think, so knife, right. you're like, oh no, a knife, and it would probably be more effective. But bottle, this is a crazy motherfucker. Yeah, what else will he true. break and use as a weapon? The yeah. other thing about the bottle is you stab it into them, and it's like already got a spout on it, right? So like, And then you drink the blood <laughs> from that spout, get their mind. You're thinking of Ganja and Hess, another very, very good 1973 What movie. I do is I uh, smash the bottle on my head. To make him yeah, think I'm dude. even more crazy, knock myself out. They probably won't stab a knocked out person. Oh, no, they run away. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get caught by the cops. Isn't it nice to know that Called record? By the ex- cops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, we're the cops. Oh no! When you throw your phone. <laughs> Why did I answer this? <laughs> it said the cops on my phone when I answered. Hello. Oh no! It's the cops. Uh, is it nice to know that record executives on Jamaica are just as corrupt as record executives everywhere else? This guy, this fucking Hilton guy. There's one group of people that I don't mind stereotyping, and they're all just fucking maggots, and it's record executives. (laughs) Yeah, the movie makes such a point about how much this guy sucks. And honestly, he sucks so much. And that's the thing. There's like, uh, he and the detective together, and the preacher, I think, they are this like ruling class that is really, they are the ones that are ultimately exploiting everybody directly around them and and like it hurts so much when it's when the white people are left out and it's the like the black people doing it to the black people like now we're a generation past where like the it's it's like the the black on black crime like like is so much weirder but Mm -hmm. it's such a weird part about the movie that ivan is such an asshole but the paranoia is real like yeah. The record executive is yeah. out to get him. Yeah. The cops are yeah. out to get him. Like, right. actual, right. The, the drug dealer is out to get him. Like, the drug dealer calls the cops and calls the other drug dealer and says, I don't like this guy anymore. The record executive says, I don't want to play this al- album yeah. anymore. You know, yeah. like, he's like, this is the best song we've done. Barry. <laughs> right. Like, he's and a- his, his, like, number two, the, like, the actual mass mixer, the engineer is like, boss, this is a great but, song. Like, this is a really <laughs> good song. I, don't like, care. I know it's so good. I don't, but, but I, I just don't like the guy, you know. And like, could Ivan, if we could like do go in a time machine, could he have been a better person? I guess so. But like, he, the paranoia is real. Yeah, uh, there is a conspiracy in this movie. It's just not really a secret conspiracy. The yeah. police and the army and the criminals all work together, basically. And there's that's why there's nothing left for anybody. The one thing that I will say is not a conspiracy is that when he said, "All right, army, all right, SWAT team, uh, let's just do this one on one," and then they didn't, they weren't ever going to. Like that was yeah, that on. was that was a bad. That that that's interesting. Like because I feel like not only 
does Django come in to like set up some things in the movie, but it also reminds us that this is kind of a Western. Mm-hmm. And the idea that um, you will go one on 50 and do anything other than get shot to pieces is so ridiculous and only exists in the like hyper reality of movies. It's yeah. not something that actually happens in real life. Greg, can I bring you back to another Western character that watched a different Western? Back to the Future Part 3, put metal under <laughs> your shirt, and then you can take the bullets. Yeah. That's what you he should have. Also, in you Django. the wrong Western. In Django, he had a fucking giant machine gun. Giant machine yeah, get gun. Get a Gatling gun. Yeah. Man. Get yourself a Gatling gun, can do both. Well, when we come back, we are going to give this movie some awards, and then we're going to give you some recommendations. Awards. Let's give them out. Let's start with pound for pound. Who delivers the best pound for pound performance? Mike. Uh, Jimmy Clip is is Cliff. Cliff. What did I say? I thought you said Clip. Cliff. I think we're saying the same thing. (laughs) Is is amazing, but we're trying to ignore the star. uh, And also gets a little out amazing by Janet Bartley, who plays Elsa. And this is why pound for pound, she is in such a fraction of the movie compared to him. But one, it's always impressive when somebody can play in a, a character that seems like they are 12 or they're 30, depending on what the movie needs from them in yes. that scene. Uh, I thought this movie took place over years, Mike. mostly because of how world weary she gets right away. Her. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just that being with this kind of guy is exhausting. Yeah, dude. It, <laughs> and it ages it, you quick. She shows it. And uh, she she rises to the challenge and owns this movie. I love it. Ryan, who do you got? Well, I thought uh, not going with the star was my thing, um, but Mike has stolen that, like uh, some sort of Jamaican. The harder they come. Yeah. <laughs> like how he stole the song. The Jamaican criminal. Uh, so I will go with Jimmy Cliff, who, um, you know, the director talked about. Uh, Jimmy Cliff? <laughs> Jimmy Cliff. Cliff. He's Cliff. giving me the business. Um, who I think that uh, he and the director did a great job of saying, like, hey, man, you have been in student films. It's yeah. not that you haven't acted before, but you have been in student films. Um, why don't you figure out who this character is? And Let uh, me know. <laughs> and you, you tell me who that is. And they did a great job of making this guy uh, not likable. That's not what we're here for, but incredibly charismatic and watchable and engaging throughout the entire movie. This is uh, to, to fight a straw man. I was going to say that might not exist, but I've met these people who are like, but I didn't like the main character, so this movie's bad. Fuck you, you baby. Yeah. This is the perfect movie. Of, I do not like Ivan, but is he oh so charismatic and watchable? What I like about his performance, and I'm going to give this one to Ryan. Ryan. What I like about his performance is that at first you're like, I like this guy, and then he starts doing some really noxi- noxious stuff, and for a while you're like, no, I mean, I still like him. By the end of the movie, you're like, okay, this guy's gone way yeah. too far. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> support this anymore. Uh, how about director's signature? Now, I am guessing that we have not seen a bunch of this. This, from this is guy's, my first. Yeah, from this guy's career. And uh, apparently, he this was like his most uh, conventional movie that he ever made. He like 
He said, I didn't want to become part of like Hollywood after this. I had the opportunity, of course, but I didn't want to. I wanted to keep my own film production company and get more and more experimental and still talk exclusively about Jamaica. And so that's what he did. I just want to make it clear to you two that I decided that I didn't want to become part of Hollywood either. Yeah. That's why yeah. my career yeah. went the way it did. Your yeah. choice. Right. I decided that's why you're I, so experimental. Yeah. I wanted to give like kind of like loserdom a real shot. Right. Yeah. And so I've, I've, I've been doing that. But uh, we know this guy's work from having watched this one movie. So, Ryan, what do you say is the uh, signature from this movie? I, uh, I, I'm a sucker for the first 10 minutes of any movie, and sometimes even less than that. Um, and I really think that, and if you want me to pick something smaller than this, I will. But I think that the bus crash is it. I think it's the, uh, the driving in. The country into the city, yep, yep. the um, the closeness of the bumpers, the hey, don't hit that, like don't move away he from says, that bus. Don't move, like he's on the bus. Like, like you have to <laughs> let this guy go by, otherwise you're not gonna get to where you're going, man. But like if you move for that person, if you change for that person, then you're going to give yeah. up everything. Uh, it's all about sticking to your guns. It's all about like making sure that he knows who you are, being the alpha. Like you can get the right away if you really want. But you must try. You gotta try. You have though. to try. I like how it cuts away from that. I imagine they just stayed there for like three and a half hours. <laughs> but it's also such a Hollywood opening, right? Yeah. Like it's it's the loud music and it's the opening credits and like you really think that you're in for a very traditional Hollywood movie. Mm. And then he throws in these little things, um, really subtle, really impressive, uh, symbolic things about the movie that you're about to see. I like it, Mike. What do you got? I think what, based on this movie, what Perry Henzel is very good at is showing you just enough of a violent thing that your brain fills Ooh. in the rest. Uh, we, we talked about the, the, the stabbing of the guy, of Lange's face. Uh, but the, the part that it does really well is when the motorcycle cop is chasing after Ivan, Ivan shoots him, and then the rest of the crash is from the cop's point of view. Yeah. And you just see the camera, like kind of driving wobbling because the guy got shot and then falling so you're like oh that guy got shot dead uh you don't we don't see any of that uh we don't see that his face has now been skinned yes by the the road but it certainly has do you think it was weird though that it faded out and then it said cops on the screen and then fox in the corner <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what you want i am going to give that one to ryan because ryan. i i was uh i was very impressed with that opening scene it's also very movie like in the fact that like you can tell even as you're watching it for the first time, like, oh, this is going to be emblematic of this whole movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Mike, when did you cringe while watching this movie? It's – and it's hard to tell in 73 if they mean for us to or not yes, with this yeah, kind of stuff. Good point. Uh, but I do think it's uh, my boy Lanja, again, not my boy because I like him, just because I talk <laughs> about him a lot. Uh, you're on notice, but, mister. Yeah. He has a line uh, where he compares Elsa to a, a cherry blossom – and says, if Preacher don't pick it, I feel I will pick it. Yes. And just like, this girl, again, at this point, I thought this girl was like 14. I don't know how old Elsa is supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the way this guy, he's just like, oh, if this other old man get, doesn't get the fucker, me, this old man, Here's what I'll complicates, get the fucker because I'm in line. Here's what complicates this part a little bit for me. His voice is perfect. And then after <laughs> he says that, he does this like almost Jack Black style, like cute walk away. <laughs> and it's so discordant because he is like, yeah. And it's like, he's so happy with himself that he said this, even though it's such a disgusting thing to say. It's kind of like, yeah. it, it, it's, you cringe. And at the same time, part of what you're cringing at is that you're like, this guy's kind of likable. <laughs> Ryan, when did you cringe? This one was really hard for me. 
this pick to make. And I'm about to say it, and I don't even know if I believe it. So maybe just give me the point right now. Ryan. Thanks, buddy. What? Uh, the, the <laughs> give me the point right now. Mike. The movie viewers Dude. at the end. I think that it would have. Oh, yeah. This is like very spike, like proto or predo Spike Lee to me. Yeah. Of like, um, we get it, Spike, buddy. Um, of like, uh, you you have become Django. You have become yeah. everything that you've said. Your message is over delivered and meta delivered and delivered too much. And then maybe even crossed over a line where like, it's like we already were there, right? Right? Like we were there when he's like. <laughs> but now I'm confused. Is if like. You already knew we were there, and then now you're double delivering for yeah. a, a message that I'm not even aware of yet. Uh, like, are we like double Brechtian at this point, or double Brechtian? You just didn't trust us. I don't know. I thought it was shocking. Like, I I, I was legitimately shocked, uh, and I did cringe. I thought that it was dumb, or maybe it was beautiful. Yeah, I don't know. I I have to say, and I didn't feel this way when I watched. I thought it was dumb when I watched it. But when you said like double Brechtian, I think it is meta for the people who operate on that level, and it is underlining what's going on for the people who just go to see a movie and then don't want to record themselves talking about it with their friends, right? So Ew. It, like if it's they exist, <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know why, I don't know what they get out of it besides like popcorn and candy. Um, but I think he might be doing both things at once, which is, I mean, that's kind of impressive, but kind of fucking lame. So to get myself out of this. Mike. I'm going to give it to Mike because I do have to say like the cherry tree thing and the whole idea of like if the preacher doesn't marry her, then like as his like household helper, I'm, as his foreman, yeah, it like falls to me to do. And the, like it really underlines how she is like almost kind of like territory or just mm. like something waiting to be like picked. Basically, she's the bike to Lange, She's the bike. Ah, but after. um. Mike. Watching me and Mike do the Jack Black walkaway dance, I would like to move him to best performance. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's go for our special The Harder They Come Awards. Ryan, what is the needle drop moment? What is meant by that, and what do you choose for it? So I think in a musical moment, um, for our Moody's at the end of the season, it's usually sung or... So musical moment is like when somebody is singing or when the needle drop, like a previously established song yeah. comes on, right? Yeah. Like it includes both of those things. Yeah, I think so. I just wanted to cover all of those bases. Uh, so we have multiple people singing in this song, but then also many needle drops. And I figured that this award would go to a sung song, but mine isn't. Mine is a needle drop. It is the White Cliffs of Dover. In a part that Mike had referenced earlier, which was playing in the I'm fucking homeless montage. Yeah. And it blares. The song White Cliffs of Dover blares when. I'm literally sleeping on the street. Ivan Ho or uh, Ivan realizes that like this Ivan shit, this like uh, charisma shit, this having all the riz is not going to work. And like it's not just it's not like uh, a typical 90s montage of like some of this is fun uh, uh heating up a hot dog on a fire is fun it's fucking terrible this is of course part of the neorealism jamaican neorealism genre that we created tonight and we all love <laughs> uh it is awful we created it uh, yeah i wish i hadn't said that but uh <laughs> uh this is the it's the best part of the movie and this song 
blaring. I, it, it, it feels like the loudest song in the movie, and this is the best part of the movie. All right, I love it. What do you got, Mike? I'm. I, I don't know if this is like too dumb, but just so blown away by we hit in media res of Ivan laying down the harder they come in the studio yeah. and he is sweaty and into it in a way we've been in the studio before and seen people just be like, yeah, this is my job. And I was just fucking, I now want to go watch every live video of Jimmy cliff. Yeah. I can cliff, Jimmy cliff. I can, uh, it was so, it was so powerful. And is the first time you're like, Oh, Ivan is not full of shit. Yeah. He has it. It's yeah. I, I feel like this is the dumb answer of the two, but, I am a uh, pretty devoted dumb person and I have to say like this this is the moment of the entire movie because it's like it would be so easy to see Ivan as a complete bullshitter and just like mm-hmm. with no hope but when you see him perform and it's not just the way it sounds it's also him actually performing it you're yeah. like no wait a minute this guy is really wronged against because he has star power and this is a beautiful song and it's like at least if this is probably apocryphal, but it's kind of delivering reggae out into the world. Um, I, I really, it's, it's Ryan, your answer, I think is, is kind of a smarter answer, but I have to uh, speak to the dumb person inside me and say, my entire life is being smarter while dumb Mike gets all the attention. <laughs> but um, what did this song exist before the movie or was it written for? No, this he wrote, not only did it not exist before the movie, they had basically finished filming the movie before he actually wrote it. So they were yeah, waiting there's like three for other titles of the movie. Yeah. Um, first, and then they said the harder they come, and he went, "Wait." <laughs> yeah. the the uh, the one that he, the director now says he wishes he had named the movie is "You Can Get It If You Really Want." And one of the titles was "Hey U.S. Do You Want Reggae?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, an equally <laughs> difficult thing to pick, I honestly believe, uh, to the best music moments in a movie full of music, is the best fit. Mike, what is the best outfit in this movie? Choose wisely. So Jose is his buddy who brings him to the movie in the beginning, disappears for a lot of the movie, and then he reruns into him at the club when he's at the club being like, hey, who's this wow. Who's this Ivan guy who's this great team? Song. This is the and music then, moment of the movie, right? God, I have, Jose's like, there's no way this is you. <laughs> I've literally had moments of this in my life, whether it's whatever, of like going up to people that are not noticing whatever I've uh-huh. done before and being like, uh, do you notice what's going on right wow, now? Check this out. What is a great podcast coming out of my phone? <laughs> Who's that smart guy? He's not getting the points. Um, but Jose in the in the club scene is in matching pants and vest uh, that looks almost like corduroy, no shirt, and then has a white beret yeah. with like little black three D, not three D dots. I, d- I just don't know enough about fashion to how to talk about three D dots and aviators uh, inside. And fuck, does he look fly? All right, a, a good, a strong choice out of a movie full of strong choices. Ryan, what do you got? I struggled hard not to pick the Harder They Come song moment. Uh-huh. I cannot struggle any longer. I have to pick the Harder They Come poster moment. Yeah. Which is when he is getting his photos taken. Yes. And, like, <laughs> why, why aren't they, like, why isn't the newspaper printing these photos, which is him in this gold hat, purple vest, yellow shirt. Right. Uh, guns a-blazing. Yeah. Like, he, this is the fucking craziest movie because nobody understand. like, this guy, inv- not only did he invent uh, reggae for the United States, but he also invented Entertainment Weekly, 
Yeah. Like this guy just <laughs> understands how mass media works. Do you know that modernized is, Robin Hood? That yes. is that's something that comes from the actual story. So the actual story of the guy, he was not um, that popular, and he was not a music star. But he did do things like write little notes to the newspaper, and he had photo shoots of himself, and he would send the photos into the the newspapers to like keep his myth alive. And that's another way in which it's like westerns, really. Like this is something that like uh, Billy the Kid did, and uh, mm-hmm. you know. 50 years after that, Bonnie and Clyde would be like, they yeah. would collect all their clippings and they would try to like uh, almost play fantasy Bonnie and Clyde of like who can appear in the paper, the newspaper the most. And it's another one of these things that is kind of stupid, but he manages to pull it off in a way that's still cool. I mean, <laughs> uh, so that one goes to Ryan. Now let's move on to our recommendations. Ryan, what is your recommendation? My recommendation, Greg, thank you so much for asking, is uh, 2002's A City of God, directed by Fernando Melias. Brazilian movie. It's one Brazilian movie. Uh, about a Too many movies. group of uh, crime children. Uh, a group of children who are grow up is in... Is there a group of crime children about? <laughs> Uh, a uh, group of children who grow up in a city of crime and eventually obviously fall into it. This movie is sort of um, uh, folds into like the Tarantino trend. Like if you're uh, really against the Tarantino thing of like guns are cool and quick editing is cool and um, invasive direction is cool, then you might not like it. I fucking love this movie when I saw it and I continue to. But I'm going to read you Scott Tobias's review. Uh, Scott Tobias, formerly of like the Dissolve and the AV Club. Um, here's a story about generation after generation of slum-dwelling young boys caught up in a terrible cycle of violence, yet the tragedy of it never comes close to registering. It all feels too much like an entertainment, but hey, it's entertaining. <laughs> and I feel like wow. if, you're, if you have a problem with The Harder They Come, that's your problem with it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Uh, I think that they they go like like hand in hand. What are you looking for in your movie? And if you want a message movie about how fucked poor kids are, particularly poor kids of color, um, and you want everyone to know how fucked they are, these aren't your movies. The message is there, but it's pushed to the background for uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. You know, like it's there. You have to search for it. But really, these are two... Movies that have a lot of uh, shoot 'em up coolness. You don't even have to search that hard. There's just not some fuck who gives you a lecture looking at the camera at the end, <laughs> you fucking infants. I, I love when you go full Malkovich on the podcast. So you heard it from you heard <laughs> you it from Ryan. Face recommending Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Mike. <laughs> uh, I I do that. That's a great recommendation. That's a great movie. Um, mine. Do you know a movie that is about a miserable prick who thinks the world owes him something? Uh, and it's just a shit to everybody around him. But goddamn, is he a talented musician? Is inside Lewin Davis. Oh, I could not wow. get that out of my head. Uh, he is right. He is the best in the scene. But man, is he a fucker. Uh, <laughs> and and so he doesn't go killing people like Ivan does. But I, I do think they're cut from similar cloth. The more I uh, have moved through life right. and the more I have observed, um, you really end up paying for your personality. Like <laughs> you, you get convicted of whatever your crimes us. are, but like when it re- what it really comes down to is if people don't like you, you get fucked. 
it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how much you have uh, in control. You ultimately get the reward for not the what you do, but how you act towards people. Uh, my recommendation is Their Eyes Are Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. Um, she spent a lot of time in the Caribbean, but this is not her book that's about the Caribbean. It's about the American South. It's about Eatonville, um, Florida, primarily. But why I was thinking of it uh, when I was watching this movie is um, she said that her goal in it was to capture a way of life that was going to be like basically completely erased if somebody didn't capture it. And I feel like watching these scenes on the street of 1973 Jamaica, I just felt like if he hadn't been there recording this, this would just be gone forever, you know? Um, and the actual patois, the actual way people spoke and what was actually going on would be lost. And it would be what we always do, which is we re-remember the past instead of just remembering it. But he got it. He got it on the celluloid, and we see it there. These are people just, like, moving about in their town, and we're listening to the way they talk, and that's what she captures in Their Eyes Are Watching God. She really captures the voice, and she delivers these people up from the past for us. Um so Zora Neale Hurston's their eyes were watching God. So who gives a shit if we think that it takes a turn? It takes it swerves too hard into crime or yeah. black exploitation at a certain point. Especially because the reason we have this movie and we have it forever. Yeah, and especially because the reason he does it is because that's something that happened in animated Jamaica, you know. But yeah, like uh, it's just it's a gift. Um, the way it's made in a very 1973 way, which is let's just hit the let's get onto this on the streets of this actual city and let's film what's around us. And you just watch someone like with their hand on their hip, slowly surveying the street because they're looking for somebody. And it's like we've got that moment forever now, and it just would have been gone. Uh, a lot of the shots in this reminded me of The Long Goodbye, because uh, mm. Altman is king of I don't know. The movie will figure itself out if I keep this camera on long enough. Just and keep so the a camera lot of those moments yeah. of just a city being a city but gave me those vibes. Altman had this ability or like this uh, position of being, for some reason, liked in Hollywood and just kept getting money. You know, maybe, right. uh, I'm so sorry, Percy Hazel? Per- Henzel. Perry. Hens- Perry Henzel. Uh, and all ever- Jimmy Cliff and everybody, they were like, Maybe this is the movie that they wanted to make, but also maybe this is the movie that they had to make. Like, if they wanted to make another one, they had to shove the guns and the crime in there, yeah. you know? Like, th- this is what they had to make. But, like, no matter what, we have this movie forever. That's so beautiful. All right. Uh, when we come back, I will tell you how these two knuckleheads did. And I'm actually getting excited to hear how we think this is going to do in the bracket. Well, there's only one thing to say about this episode. That's a classic right there. That's a classic right there. There's just no two ways about it. And it's one of our classic wins for Ryan, who takes Five. it at 46 to 45. Oh, Ooh. my goodness. That's when a lot of 46, scoring. I thought you were going to say like 20 for me. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, you guys both brought it. and uh, I, I thought, Mike, you had this for sure. Uh, if you were... The- if you remember, Ryan, uh, you got three points off the top because your daughter was nice to me. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so, so Mike won. <laughs> well, your daughter was legit nice to me. We can't undo that. Um, this was one of those nights where um, uh, Mike got a point for everything he said, and Mike, uh, everything I said, Mike got a point. I, so. I did often get points for some off-color jokes. Yes, from definitely. Ryan. But I feel like the fact that this is such a high-scoring game, which is this is like a classically high-scoring one, like ni- yeah, you know, 91 points. Um, but I feel like that is reflective both of uh, how good you are and how good the podcast is. Congratulations to us. Sure. But um, 
this movie, it feels one way when you're watching it, but I feel like talking about it starts to expand it so quickly, and it's like, wow, there this is, is so thinker. much more here. This is a chewer. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll keep it's expanding. It's a grower this, and a it, shower. The, it, the, my favorite, it, in my younger days when I had too much ego, if my opinion started to change because you guys talked to me like, fuck that. And now I'm like, no, <laughs> I love this. And yeah, uh, break, cracking it open with you guys uh, definitely rose it even more in my esteem. Is this? Do you think our audience, our esteemed audience, who uh, we love so much, do you think their favorite part of every show is when we sit around, talk about how many points we scored, how oh, well, much we e- open each other's minds. We love each other so much. I do have to say, when I listen to other podcasts, this is something that happens in podcasts more than anything yeah. else. <laughs> where the, the, at the end of the show, the host will sit around and talk about what a good job they did. So I think it's just part of the life of podcasting, the only art form, and that's what it what? is. No, no, you no, know what? Let's have acknowledgments. Uh, <laughs> we are acknowledging each other. Broadway shows. They all come out and they fucking oh, bow yeah. and hug each other. That's what we're doing well, right now. I imagine right now all of our listeners, whether they're driving or not, are standing ovation, throwing <laughs> flowers wherever they are. I listen to a lot of podcasts where at the end, uh, it'll be like a host and a guest, and the host will thank the guest, and the guest will thank the host. And it's yeah. like, so the people on the podcast are just thanking each other for being on the <laughs> over podcast? and over again. Do you what know what the uh, secret is? Even after you stop, everybody does that again. Yeah, <laughs> recording. We really did it, you guys. But uh, I think some of the credit, at least, belongs to the harder they come. Uh, a, a movie that, like, again, we'll never know how good Tukibuki is because we'll never talk about it. I don't think legally Actually, I'm I uh, watch it. We in the intro we had talked about making it a bonus show, and now in this episode, I'm going to now um, ban you two from watching it. You are <laughs> for the rest nev- of your lives. A for the rest ban. of your lives, you are never allowed to see it. I'm watching it the minute we stop recording. No. You can't stop me. You can't, Mike. You're going to break the rules. If you watch like, it, I never saw it. He'll know. If you watch it, the second you turn it on, you will look at your phone. It will be the cops. They are calling you. <gasps> the cops are calling me. I learned, and then you look up, up. It's the little girl from The Ring. She's standing right there. Then you look to the side. It's that really big, tall guy from It Follows. Samara, no. It Follows, no. <laughs> the corner of your room is the Babadook. Oh. <gasps> That's, that's just a viewing party. They just want to <laughs> all want to watch the movie. If there are too many scary things right around you, doesn't it? Ca- don't they start canceling each other? Yeah. Out? yeah. Like, hey, Baba Duke, how you doing, big guy? All of a sudden, we get, line. we get a text. Uh, Greg and I get a text of a picture that's like that one that uh, Ellen DeGeneres took at the yeah, Oscars. It's just, like <laughs> just Mike and like all these scary people. Then karaokeing with them. So obviously, it caused us to do a great show, but does it have an actual chance to win our 1973 season? What now, Mike think? is or uh, Greg is not saying that me and Mike did a better show than the movie. Like the podcast is not better than the movie. That's not what you're saying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like that. Like it was a pretty like thoughtful vibe for most of the podcast, but the end it got very action-packed and like joe rogany <laughs> yeah it turned into a big shootout i when this when i was watching the movie before the season started when i was watching it for this show uh i thought it's worth talking about i don't know if it can win at the end of this show 73 is not that strong a season and this is the movie that got us so far the most excited to talk about um we were like little puppies jumping up in our our cages i think this has got a real chance to do it yeah I- it's, I mean, it's it, like I think my favorite movie of the year so far is The Exorcist. So, and I'm out on an island, much like all of the people in this movie. <laughs> so I don't know what to say. 
Well, we will have to see. We still got a lot of other great shows to do before the end of the season. So join us next week, please. But until then, hey, keep watching them movies. Greg and Mike and Ryan have seen. <laughs>